How's the Bite. I'm Ken Root along with Bob Urban. Murray Outdoors is on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye, and we don't have any fishable ice right now. Even though we are at a time of year, and especially last year, we had extremely cold weather. But, Bob, right now, going into Christmas, it is very, very mild, and I don't know if that's good news or not. Yeah, Ken, just what I've been telling folks is how can we complain? You know, we're having Florida-type weather, <laughs> considering uh, we're in uh, northeast Iowa. I mean, 40 degrees today. Um, went outside some guys walleye fishing this morning. Uh, looks like we're going to get some rain, but just the, the temps here um, for December have been gorgeous. But it also is a little bit frustrating for those folks that have all this ice fishing stuff and want to use it. Well, we are devoting today's show to safety. And we've interviewed three people that are, in my view, the best interviews we've ever done in this area. Uh, we have a firefighter from Guttenberg who's an emergency responder. And we're talking about people falling through the ice. We have two gentlemen who fell through the ice and lived to tell about it. And some of it, Bob, is technology. Some of it is just the logic of how to get yourself out. Bob, let's make a point here about the safety aspect of this and how you could prevent yourself from losing your life if you fell through the ice. What's your take? Yeah, I guess, Ken, that's what we're doing, and that's why these guys, uh, and, and kudos to them admitting uh, what they did, sharing their their uh, situations, their experience, what happened to them, uh, just to help us prevent and to become knowledgeable and, and prevent that situation that you would never want to be in. Um, and they found themselves in that, in the water, what do we do, what's going on, what did I do wrong, potentially, and, and how can we prevent that from happening? These two guys uh, luckily get to share their story. Uh, firefighters uh, from all over Iowa and the Midwest uh, are trained for, for cold water rescue, ice rescue. And we wanted to share that this week just because we haven't been having ice and everybody's itching to get out on the ice. But I haven't seen more than an inch, two inches, and I have heard people sneaking out on the ice and doing that, but it's just just not safe. Uh, ice on the river is never safe. I'm not going to ever say that ice anywhere is safe, um, just whether it's fishable or not, and we're not there. And we wanted to have this story this week, awesome guys sharing their story. And Bob, Jimmy Cunningham is with us. He is a volunteer fireman in Guttenberg and has experience, I understand, with uh, responding on people falling through the ice. Uh, Jimmy, can you Tell us the circumstances of what you've seen in your time with the fire department. A few years back, we had a couple fellows go through up there in Bussy Lake, uh, and they both went through the same hole, just a couple weeks apart. You know, our guys geared up and went out and helped the two, helped the gentlemen out. And luckily, none of them were injured or anything. But were they standing on the bottom waiting for no. you, or were they swimming? No, they were hanging on to the ice. But they, they couldn't were... get themselves they couldn't get themselves out. Correct. Yeah, they were probably you... fifty feet off the bank. How do you keep yourself safe to get them out? Uh we have cold water suits that the guys wear and they are tied with a harness and a safety rope 
And we also carry ice awls with us in case we would go through. We can dig into the ice and get ourselves out. Well, it seems pretty, you know, straightforward that you get out there on the ice and uh, it cracks and you go through. The the challenge to me at that point is not to drown because of the conditions you're in. I wonder if you could talk me through what your fears are for a person who has fallen through the ice. That they would go under the ice, for one. Hypothermia is another one we have to be careful with. I know it's hard to do, but people just need to try to stay calm and hang on to the ice as long as you can till we get there. Caution. Bob says take what he calls a spud bar, and every time you hit the ice, it should go an inch deep. And if you hit the ice three times in one spot and it won't go through, it's safe to walk on. Is that a Fair assumption in general. What's your what's your recommendation? Well, we use the spud bar also. All the stuff that I've read, it, it all states four inches or less. Don't go on the ice walking. And there's different steps for you know snowmobiles and ATVs and cars and stuff like that. But yeah, I would advise the spud bar because <clears throat> that's what we take out with us. It should go without saying, but don't go out there alone. Correct. And, you know, like you would say Bussy Lake here in Guttenberg, for example, there are springs that came come out, and that's where them two gentlemen fell through is where one of the springs was undercutting the ice. So, yeah, you need to know the area you're fishing and if there are under springs. Well, I would think anybody fishing in a moving stream or river would be at even more risk once they went through because of what you said at the beginning on going under the ice. That would just pretty much eliminate rescue and uh, you would drown. I I would think you would have far less chance of making it once you went under than if you were able to at least stay holding onto the edge. That's correct. but That's where uh, ice alls come in. A couple nails are in uh, furniture legs or you can buy them even they're on a cord you put them around your neck and they're right there for you to grab but yeah if if somebody went underneath the ice and didn't get back to the hole that they went through yeah then it would turn into a recovery well i hope you don't have one of these but there is this great temptation you know to get out there and ice fish early there's nobody that has the itch it seems any more than ice fishermen (laughs) <laughs> but I appreciate you being there and uh, ready to respond uh, as ill-advised as their actions may be. If you could save them, they could at least live to fish another day. Thank you for what you do. No problem. And I think there's just a few things we can chat about quick, uh, even before we get on the ice, Ken, um, that we can do even before we put ourselves in that position. Well, Bob, is good information, uh, local knowledge, a key to being able to make good decisions? Yeah, Ken, and I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you to come into any local bait shop or um, and to ask questions. Don't be don't be that guy that thinks we know everything about the local the local ice or the river. I guess if you're new to an area, you're coming, you're traveling. Which Ken, the last couple of years, it's been a very mild winter. So a lot of these folks that want to go ice fishing from Illinois 
from south of Interstate 80, they're traveling north, whether they're going to Clear Lake, Okaboji, um, the upper Mississippi River. Those are the three huge ice fishing areas. And those three spots all have variables um, and ice conditions that are iffy, but the locals might know more for you. Stop into your local bait shop. We're trying to be tactically sound when we get out there. Be prepared. Have a plan. Um, this is all stuff that we can do even before we go ice fishing. What are we doing? If something happens, what am I going to do? Uh, and then and then just have a field, three different layered process of safety. We're going to have a plan. This is what's going to happen. And then the gear also, if we if something were to happen, this is we have our float suit, we have our safety picks, we have our spud bars, um, and the guys will be talking about a lot of that. And and some of the guys are going to say, "Geez, I just forgot this, or I didn't do it, or it's," and that happens. We're all we all get to that point where oh, I don't need it. It's safe. Um, just just remember, it's not always safe, and that's what this episode is going to talk about today. Bob, let's go over to Chad Tessar. He is an avid fisherman, but he's a truck driver as well, and doesn't get to fish as much, I understand, as he would like to at this time. But I understand from Bob that you uh, had a dry suit on, you had a float suit on when you fell through the ice, and obviously you live to tell about it. Would you mind relating that story to us and our audience? Yes. It was about four years ago in um, January. Um, we had an early hard winter and heavy, a lot of cold temps, and the ice built pretty fast. And in January, it warmed up pretty nice, so I decided to go fish a community spot kind of near Guttenberg that I had never fished before. And Normally, I use a spud bar, and I carry ice picks and the whole nine yards, and for some reason that day, I got kind of lazy, and I didn't take my spud bar or my lights or um, my ice picks out with me. I just drug a sled and tried packing fairly light, and uh, there's pretty much one path out and one path in going out to where everybody was fishing, and... Um, we went out in the afternoon, ran some tip downs and did some hole hopping, catching some perch and bass and some pike, whatnot. And um, it got towards the afternoon and everybody else walked off and it was me and my girlfriend's son and we decided to walk back to the truck and we were walking off, and I kind of noticed the ice looked a little different than we it did when we walked on, and Nolan was in front of me walking, and I took about two steps, and I plummeted down through the ice, and where we were fishing at, it wasn't very deep, like two, three feet max, and where I fell through, there was a, either a spring or a channel there, and um, when I went in, I... Um, I was well over my head and I couldn't touch and I reached up and I couldn't grab ice or anything. All I had on were um, striker bibs and um, it popped me up like a toothpick. And um, I had read that you're supposed to, once you fall through, you're supposed to shuffle yourself back on the ice and roll away from the where you fell through. And that's what I did. And I rolled about eight feet away, stood back up and the ice broke off again. I actually fell in twice. And with my 
bibs and um, my big winter boots that filled up with water, I I don't know if I would have made it a, the second time without having that light suit life suit uh, float me. What was the situation with the young man with you? Did he get off the ice without a problem? He got off the ice without a problem. I'm a little bit bigger a guy. I'm um, six foot and 350 pounds, so I'm I'm not a small guy. So he was probably about 100 pounds at the time. And well, tell me about the ice suit, uh, Chad. This uh, striker bibs um, is it a plastic suit? How does it save you? Um, it's got flotation in it, and if you fall in, it'll float you. They make the jacket and the bibs. It's well worth the money. There's other ones out there in the market. It's just it's a great investment for anybody that's going to be on the hard water. Well, you fell through twice. You're still in the water. Go on with how you survived. I actually got back on the ice, and I used my sled, and I had a big otter sled, and once I got back on the ice, it was stable. I kind of went around the area that I fell through, and Nolan had, my girlfriend's son had already made it to the bank, and he was waiting for me to get there, and I um, I shuffled on the ice and kind of spread my, dispersed my body weight on the ice, and um, pushed the sled in front of me, and once I made it to the bank, I got home, and it took me a couple hours to warm up. On that first splash in, can you remember what was going through your head? Did you feel you panicked or kept your cool? Uh, and, and what would you have done if you hadn't popped back to the surface? I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't popped back to the surface. Um, I kind of kept my cool, and I just – I actually got my – I stayed in the water for a little bit to get my breathing down before I tried – climbing back out of the ice. I had watched some videos on falling through, and just some of those um, videos came to the back of my mind. Uh, they say you're supposed to get your breathing down and not um, not panic is a big thing. Did you feel any current, or were you just pretty much in still water? Pretty much in still water. Well, that is scary. Uh, but you describe it um, well, and my heart kind of flutters every time I think of somebody going in. But you seem to be able to get back on top of the ice, even though you didn't have any ice picks. Did it pop you up enough that you could do that, or are you pretty strong? And, and what did you hold on? I'm pretty strong, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a buoyancy, kind of like a bobber that the bibs do when I fell through and I just got to the edge of the ice and kind of bobbed up and down a couple of times and then pushed myself up on the ice and kicked one leg up and rolled away from the hole. Well, Chad, I think I can say for everybody, we are relieved after hearing that story that you lived through that and that you had that uh, striker suit on that gave you the opportunity to have a second chance. What's your situation now? Are you, uh, are you super careful on the ice, or what do you uh, do? You do you have some problems stepping out on ice again? I don't have any problems going back out on the ice again. Um, definitely, safety items are a must. 
I um I got complacent and I didn't have my spud bar. Usually I carry my spud bar everywhere I go. That day I got lazy, I guess, and you can't cut corners when it comes to safety, but well, your story parallels another one I had today with uh, a um, fireman, and he said that these springs uh, are bubbling up or they're oozing warmer water out and warm water rises, and I take it that warm water erodes that up to the bottom. So it looks normal on the top or maybe close to normal. Could you tell, after you think about it, why that ice was showing you a warning when you stepped out on it. There was no warning signs when we walked out originally, but coming back, the edges of the ice were in a pretty heavy vegetated area where there are springs and um, lily pads and stuff. And the edges of the ice, it just it kind of had a discoloration, funky-looking water on the edges. It wasn't there when we walked out originally, and, the only thing I could think of is the springs were discharging a little warmer water or the water level under the ice had frozen a little bit on the backwaters of the Mississippi. So. Well, thank you for relaying your story. I don't think there's anybody better to tell you about it than a person who's lived through it. And I'm glad you did. And uh, may you get back into some ice fishing on safe ice this winter. This float suit that is referred to that Chad Tessar was wearing, it's not cheap. We talked about it a week ago. Tell me about that suit and how it works. So, Ken, that's just going to be a tech, technology uh, advances every year. So I'm going to talk about like what my grandpa used to use, you know, in the 70s, 60s. He used to just go out with a life jacket for safety just something to keep you up, to pop you up. This suit will actually buoyant, make you buoyant. It'll bring all of your body. And what that does in the suit, it's not, it doesn't inflate. It doesn't, it doesn't actually blow up or anything like that. It's just a membrane in there. They stitch in a plastic membrane in every square inch of that coat and every square inch of that pants. Uh, to my knowledge, that's what it is. And it doesn't allow water and it, it allow water in your pant legs and stuff. You'll, you'll still get wet. You'll still get cold. It doesn't waterproof it, but it does float you up and keep you buoyant. And that would be step one to surviving uh, a fall into the river or a fall into the lake. And that, and I wear mine can even walleye fishing. They're very, very nice suits. I'm going to name a brand. It's striker. Um, I have a striker predator uh, just wore it yesterday in the boat. Uh, fishing. It's just a nice suit and if something were to happen, it would keep me afloat and Chad did have that. Uh, Lenny's a little bit older. I think he goes out with a life jacket. Bob, I'm talking to Lenny Dress, who is from Dubuque and Lenny, I uh, appreciate you talking to me because I know you had an accident going through the ice at some period in the past and some people are so fearful after that or embarrassed or whatever it may be that they don't want to talk about it. But I would love to, for the benefit of those people who may not have enough common sense to stay off of the ice when it's too thin, to uh, have you tell us what happened in your case. Yeah, we were out ice fishing. Uh, We were drilling where we were fishing at through six inches of ice. Well, here it was rattling out from underneath. And we're done with our fishing. We're on our way back in. We're about 10 feet from shore. 
the first guy got off the ice. Well, then his father-in-law was the second guy, and he was probably about three feet in front of me, and he was walking, all of a sudden, boom, down through the ice he went. He caught his arms on the ice to hold him up. I took my sled, threw it towards shore. I hit the ice with on my belly spread eagle and worked my way over to him and got a hold of him by his collar. And he told me, he goes, Please don't let go. I cannot touch bottom. And I thought, whoa, this is bad. He cannot swim. So his son-in-law then went to come walking back out, and he took one step on the ice, another step, boom, broke, went through. Well, then he tried getting out further. Well, he ended up having to use his elbows to bust the ice to get out and get a hold of his father-in-law. And then he goes, Lenny, I got him. You're okay. Let go of him, and you try to get off. Well, I slid to my left about five feet, put pressure on my hands and my feet, like in a push-up position on my toes to see if the ice was going to support me. It felt good. And that, so then I came in to a straight line with my body, And I came up onto my hands and knees, and as soon as I hit my hands and knees, the weight distribution was way too close, and I went through. I couldn't touch bottom. I went to do, you know, the American crawl when my feet hit the ice behind me, so I couldn't. So I went into a dog paddle mode, and I was trying to break ice as I was going, you know, in dog paddling because it wouldn't support me. And... My boots filled up with water. Well, when your boots fill up with water, they get really heavy. Here, my buddy was trying to get back out to me with my sled to hand the back of it to me. And I was slowly working my way in. I still couldn't touch bottom. And he goes, Lenny, grab the back of your sled. I did. He pulled me in. I go, good, I'm touching now. And got up on shore. And I tell you what, trying to get them boots off when they're full of water was tough. But I got them off, and all I had, you know, the base layer long underwear on, the regular uh, long underwear to 40 below, everything, real cold weather gear clothing. When that gets wet, it's really cold. So all we could do is, you know, strip down to our underwear. Uh, and uh, my buddy got the band going. And, he, you know, he goes, okay, guys, get in the van. And he goes, I'll put all the gear away. And uh, so we, that's how we rolled back to the, to the booth was in our underwear because our clothes were wet and cold. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just glad I'm around to talk about it, tell people about it, and enlighten them on, hey, what you can do to prevent it. Let yeah. me ask you another question just to clarify. Yeah. Lenny, there were, as I understand it, Lenny, there were three of you in the water at one time. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, there were three of us total. The one guy made it off the ice, but he had to come back on to grab his father-in-law because I was trying to hold his father-in-law up by his collar as I was laying on my belly spread eagle because I wanted my weight distributed all over that ice because the ice was, even though it was six inches thick, it was rattling out from underneath. Were you um, 
capable all the time of keeping your cool, or did you feel like you panicked at any time, or any of the group panicked? None of us panicked. Uh, I, what I contribute mine to is back in 1982, I took my first first responders course. In every sense that I've been a first responder where I work, worked at, and the main thing when the paramedics and everything came in to, to, to the class, they would tell us, you don't rush into it, you observe it, and make sure it's safe so you don't become a victim. Well, I was already in the spot where I was going to be a victim because I was three feet behind my buddy. So all I could do was get my body distributed over that ice so my weight would be down to nothing, you know, in one spot and get a hold of my buddy by his collar to hold him up, you know. So uh, did I panic? No. I just, I guess the training I had just kicked in from being a first responder. What would you say today to people to get them prepared if they had the same situation or or what do you feel as you played this back in your mind probably many times that people should be aware of to keep from getting in that situation? Okay, what I do now, uh, because I don't want to go swimming in the middle of the river in winter, I, I'm not going to jump in no no cold water again if I don't have <laughs> Unless if it's going to raise a lot of money. <laughs> then I might do it. But what I do, you know the cheap, orange life vest that just go around your neck and it's ready and you just mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. together. I, I wear one of them out. In, in my ice fishing sled, I keep a throw cushion. That way, say mm-hmm. I'm walking out and I see you go through, I got that throw cushion with a rope that I can throw to you to get you another means of keeping afloat. You know, first ice is a sharp ice if it breaks. I got one of them auto manual life jackets, and I don't I don't wear that on first ice because first ice, if you go through, if you look at it when the sun's hitting it, it's you can see the sharper edges going down through it if you if you break through, and that could that could break that bladder, and then that that's just more weight on you that ain't gonna help you. So that's why. I use one of them orange life vests. They're really inexpensive to buy, and you know, I tell everybody do it. Don't don't be stupid like I was, because when I went up to Prairie du Chien to get the auto manual, because my one buddy was bugging me to wear a life jacket. I got up there, and the guy told me, he goes, in two weeks, they'll be on sale. The one you want to be $40 cheaper. I thought, heck, yeah, I'll save 40 bucks. Well, you know what? It could have been a lot worse than what it was, and I might not have been here talking with you just to try to save 40 bucks. but I'm glad it all worked out good. I'm, I, I, and I could not tell enough people my story that, uh, to try to get them. Put that life jacket on. Granted, you're not in the boat, but that boat actually is safer than the ice. Well, you're right about all of those things, and you were the voice of experience. Maybe some bad judgment that got you the experience, but still, yep. 
that is what it's about. One thing you haven't said that I seem it seems to be obvious. Don't go alone. Never go alone. No. Because let's face it. Oh, I got a good cell phone, but do you get a got? Do you have a good cell signal where you're at? You know, a lot a lot of places. You know, even if you got that life jacket on and you're out there by yourself and you go through, but at a lot of places may not have cell service where you're fishing at. So it, it, that's just another ounce of prevention to take is make sure you got a buddy with you. And one of you has got a throw cushion in your sled with a rope onto it. You know, I can't say it enough to people. When you're going out there, you know, even if you got a group of tennies, put put a cheap life jacket on. That's, you know, just ask yourself if your life is worth 10 bucks. That's, that's all you got to do, you know, because if you go through that $10 orange life jacket is going to save you. You may be wet. You may be cold. You could end up getting sick, pneumonia or something else, but you'll be alive until someone gets there to rescue you. If your people you're with, you know, get reacting to try to help, you know, the main thing is, is try not to panic, you know, because if you panic, your emotions take over. You don't think properly that's when you could have more victims. Well stated. Okay, Ken. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. You have a good evening and a Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you. And when we get the ace, be out there and be safe. All right. All right. Take care, Lenny. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Bob, there you have um, two instances of people who uh, made it out uh, I would have to say at the moment, if you had seen that being played, it would be uh, very scary to you. But they kept their heads, and they helped each other, and uh, they got out, and I'm very thankful for that. And let's hope we don't have any responses by the fire department uh, that have to remove somebody who did not make it. Yeah, Ken, that's that's not what we want, especially around the holidays. Stuff going on, so... We do have Christmas coming up. I wanted to wish everybody and all of our followers a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, and I think we have some stuff planned for the new year. But what are your plans for the holidays, Ken? Well, I made it up to Washington, D.C. area where my daughter lives. And so she has uh, twins that are 17 who are just now getting their notifications from colleges. So I happened to be sitting here last night and enjoying the squealing and the screaming of granddaughter getting, uh, after four hard years of work, to make good grades to get into college. And grandson's already been accepted into several different schools. So that has been a lot of fun. So we're going to have a great week here. And then I'll head back to Iowa on the 27th, and we'll uh, tip you off on Facebook of what our future plans are but we're thinking about doing a special Facebook Live program at a time when, you know, nobody would really be competitive with us at all. So I'm thinking noon, January 1st would be a good time for it. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Nothing going on. Yes, nothing going on. And uh, for you, are you open all during the holidays? We are. We've got some stuff we want to get done, so um, you can – 
come and get your last minute gift ideas. Uh, we've had, we've been really busy, Ken. Um, not on the bait end of things, not on the fishing end of things, but we've been seeing a lot of customers come in, um, get their gift certificates, get some items, all that stuff. So we're gonna, we're gonna stay open for all those. Usually it's the gentlemen that procrastinate. Have you started? Do you got all your Christmas shopping done? Um, I brought $100 bills. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> about <Yeah>. the grandkids. <laughs> I think that's about, well, that's what they want, to be honest with you. So, um, my son turns, Nolan turns 14. It's his birthday tomorrow. Uh, Ava's going to take over the store tomorrow and Nolan gets to, uh, decide what he wants to do all day long. So I think we're going to hit some baseball card shops. He's into the, the cards and, and doing that stuff just like I was in my, my era. But he is, that industry's, uh, booming now too. I didn't know it came back, but, uh, he's doing that for his birthday and then we'll do a few holiday things and we'll be right back to work. All right. Well, folks, uh, we've had 10,000 hits on this podcast in our first year. So Bob, I think that's uh, pretty good for what, uh, we can accomplish. Um, and I thank you for, uh, sponsoring it all the way through and being behind us from Murray's outdoors on the South end of Gutberg under the big walleye open literally all the time so stop by see you next week bob thanks ken hopefully we have some ice around the first as well 